Cat Well Service, a local company that specializes in water drilling and pumps, residential or ranch, repair or service. So for water wells and all that goes with them, look for a 307 Wildcat Well Services ad in the Country Bounty. And you too will have cool, clean water. 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 Radio is a great career. Sheridan Media employs a number of people in various capacities, including advertising sales, news, promotions, business administration, and engineering. If you or your organization would like to know if there's a job opening at Sheridan Media, send your mailing address request to Bob Grammons, General Manager, Sheridan Media, P.O. Box 5086, Sheridan, Wyoming, 82801. We'll send a notice to your organization or group every time there's a full-time job opening. Sheridan Media is an equal opportunity employer. Wyo Performing Arts and Education Center welcomes Grammy Award-winning artist Larry Mitchell to the Wyo stage Friday, May 20th at 7.30 p.m. Larry Mitchell has toured the world playing with well-known artists Tracy Chapman, Billy Squire, and Rick Ocasek. Opening for Larry at the Wyo will be local band Roland Sevens. Tickets for Larry Mitchell are available now at the Y.O. Theater box office or online at yotheater.com. Larry Mitchell, Friday, May 20th at the Y.O. Theater. As a business owner, you're always looking for ways to increase your market share. Do you have a marketing plan in place or want to revamp your current plan? Let us help. Hi, this is Bob Grammons, General Manager of Shared Media. What if I told you that you could market your business on nine different radio stations? Partner with our print publication, The Country Bounty, which is directly mailed to nearly 18,000 households in Sheridan and Johnson County. Or market your business worldwide through a variety of our digital products, as well as our websites, sharedmedia.com and sharedonwyoming.com. Let our creative and well-seasoned marketing professionals put together a well-thought-out and professional, comprehensive marketing plan to connect with your customers on multiple media platforms. No high pressure. Let's tell your story. Call Sheridan Media today. 672-7421 or email sales at sharedamedia.com and let us go to work for you. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program brought to you by Elias and Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Specialist Christina Schmidt. Good morning, Christina. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Now, uh, wildlife habitat management areas are now open. Christina, just exactly what is, and I guess we call it a WHMA? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're actually not open yet. They're um, not open no, yet. They are opening. Open yet. So uh, there are four in our kind of immediate area. Um, there are multiple WHMAs around the state, 
Uh, the ones in our area that folks will be most familiar with are the Kearns, which is up north by the Montana state line, Amsden, which is out by Dayton, uh, Bud Love, which is by Buffalo, and then the Edo Taylor, which is down by Casey. So spread out kind of along the eastern face of the Bighorns there. So um, actually the Amsden, Bud Love, and Edo Taylor open um, on May 15th so, okay. uh, at 8 a.m. Um, we have an actual start time. The Kearns does not open until June 1st. Is there a particular reason for that? Yes. So these, um, like their name implies, wildlife habitat management areas, these areas were purchased um, at various times. Uh, Amsden is the oldest one we have in the region. It was actually purchased in 1944, and Kearns was purchased in 1949. So these were purchased um, using federal money from the Pittman-Robertson Act uh, to specifically preserve big game winter range. So um, as most folks know, winter is early spring. Winter is the most critical time for wildlife. They've had reduced forage, poor quality forage all through the winter. Um, and so the idea is to have these areas to protect them from disturbance during the winter, which, of course, depletes their energy reserves when uh, they get displaced from all these areas. And so when they need it most. And when they need them most, exactly. So these were purchased specifically to protect winter range. And um, so they are closed to human presence during those critical months, um, all human presence. And um, so they're not public lands in the sense that most people think where they're just open all the time. Um, they're actually owned by the Game and Fish Commission, and they do pay taxes on them just like any other private property, um, and they have since, I think, the 1950s. Uh, so these are set aside just for wildlife. Therefore, um, kind of all the management decisions on these properties um, are made with the best interests of big game and other species. Do these things get a lot of traffic when they get opened up? Sure. Yeah, a lot of people come out. Um, of course, a lot of people, um, the opening day, a lot of people come out looking for antlers. Uh, but then as the season progresses, some people come out just to hike around. Um, some areas provide fishing access. You can go fish. Uh, a lot of people like to come out and look at wildflowers, take photos of birds, um, lots of different things. And then, of course, in the fall, um, they're all open for hunting as well before they close mid-November. There's a lot of folks out there who do a lot of antler hunting mm -hmm. uh, this time of year, it, it, and they can go onto these areas. Once they're open, right? Until that time, they are closed. So you can be sighted if you are on one of these properties before the opening date, because again, trying to protect these areas for wildlife. So uh, we do have standard openers, and they're all different around the state. So um, on our website, you can actually look, um, you know, ones in Cody may have different opening times than one in, in Jackson and different from here. So if you go to our website, we list all the WHMAs throughout the state, and it will tell you, and some don't, like Yellowtail. Um, Yellowtail was purchased um, not for big game winter range, but for protection of waterfowl habitat. So a different purpose, you know. So it's going to have a different have opening different time. Different management yeah. actions. So, um, and that one I believe is open year round. So it's a little different. Some places allow camping, some don't. So if you go to our website, you can read about each individual location and see what activities are allowed, if there are any closure dates or anything like that. And when folks find antlers out there, they don't have to 
check them in, register, pay. You can just take it home. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's fast. I didn't know that. Yep, yep, you can. Um, you know, definitely there are rules to follow. Uh, no motorized access. That does include e-bikes. We get a lot of questions about that. Um, those are considered a motorized those vehicle. Those are considered a yeah. motorized vehicle, so you have to stay on established roads. So there are some that are, uh, like, for instance, at the Amston, there's a front gate and there's a two-track that goes approximately one mile and dead ends at a parking area. You can travel that in a vehicle or on an e-bike, but then when you hit that parking area, that's as far as you can go with a motorized vehicle after that, uh, horseback or foot. Or your foot in it. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Knife makers out there probably just drool waiting for the, the opening day to get out there and try to be the first one. Right, right. Uh, get, so, the, get those antlers picked yeah, up. Yeah, so 8 a.m. Um, until that time, it, it is closed. So Amsden, Bud Love and Edo, uh, May 15th at 8 a.m. Kern's not until June 1st. And be, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I would say before you head out to one of these uh, uh, habitat management areas, just jump online, look up uh, the one that you want to look at or go out and explore and just make sure. Is it open? Yep, it's open. And then uh, head on out there and uh, see what you can find. That's absolutely fascinating. I didn't know you could take those off of there. Now, uh, let's talk bears. You and I talk bears quite a bit, but it's because we live in bear country. And, uh, you know, someone listening uh, a month ago might just be tuning or not tuning in today and vice versa. So uh, have we had any of them wander into populated areas as of yet that we know of? I have not heard of any widespread problems yet. yet. So, no. Um, You know, uh, we always do try to start pretty early in the spring, letting folks know that bears are out and about. And, of course, they're pretty hungry when they come out of their den um, have not heard of any significant conflicts, but we want to keep it that way for sure. Um, always remind people starting in April, keep your attractants picked up or secured somehow. Um, obviously garbage, pet food, uh, livestock, grain, anything like that, um, that would potentially be a source of food for, for bears. Uh, bird feeders are a big one too. I know it's the time of year folks want to feed birds. Just put those, uh, um, hang them in a way that it's not going to be accessible to bears because either, uh, you know, sugar water and hummingbird feeder or seeds and, and nuts, things like that. Bears are going to like that kind of food for sure. So um, you can rig up, especially if you're going to feed throughout the season, just rig up a pretty simple um, rope, uh, you know, hang from a branch so that it's further enough uh, away from the trunk and out on a branch so the bear can't access it, but the birds can. So, just a few things to, you know, when you get set up and get ready to put your food out, uh, just make sure it's not accessible to bears for sure. Um, and we are going to have two um, living in large carnivore workshops. And so basically these are workshops where our large carnivore biologists, uh, local wildlife biologists, uh, game wardens will come to these workshops and they do a whole program. We did these uh, last time in 2020. Uh, They do a whole program, and it's really interesting, on bear and mountain lion, um, biology, behavior, things like that, Um, how to secure attractants, um, maybe how to put up electric fencing. A lot of people have backyard domestics, Um, you know, chickens. That's a great idea, yeah. Goats, beehives, all those things, and that's great, but you do have to keep in mind that is now a potential attractant for a bear. That's food. 
that yeah. food. So again, there are ways to secure those. And so our biologists uh, will talk about that kind of thing, uh, what to do in an encounter, all those kinds of things. Just a whole variety of topics related to bears and mountain lions. Really great information. Again, the last time we had this in 2020, we had um, one workshop in Sheridan, one in Story. They were all really well attended. Lots of good questions from folks, and so we wanted to offer that again this year. So for this year, we're actually going to have it in Story again. Perfect um, place, right? Perfect That's place, a perfect yeah. place. So certainly, um, you know, it's in bear habitat, as is most of Sheridan County. So uh, the Story Library will host it, and that will be Tuesday, June 7th at 6 p.m. And again, of, of course, this is free, open to all ages. Uh, the next night we'll have it in Dayton at the Tongue River Valley Community Center. So that would be Wednesday, June 8th, again at 6 p.m. So you're welcome to attend either one of those that work for you. And again, bring your questions. If you have, you know, a, a specific setup at your house, they might be able to tell you, you know, here would be the best way to secure your attractants, things like that. What kind of bears do we have around here typically? Black bears. Just the good old black bears. Uh-huh. And they're, I mean, they're not really big, and most of them kind of shy off at human interaction. I'm not telling anybody to go out there and try to scare the bear off, but uh, they're not they're not overly aggressive, typically, right? Well, it depends. You know, um, the problems that you tend to see with bears, and this would be true for black bears or grizzly bears either, the problems you tend to see with them is when they become food-conditioned. So you're right. Naturally, bears tend to prefer to be away from people, you know, that they don't want to be around people. If they hear you coming, they're going to leave the area. The problems that you have with bears usually will come um, after they've been food conditioned. So they've been getting into trash at a campsite or um, at a residential area. And so instead of being afraid of people, they have found that being near people, you know, it's a risk-reward system, and you take a little risk, and you get a reward, and then it just kind of escalates, and they become more and more comfortable um, being around people. They might even become defensive of what they view now as a food source for them. Um, you know, your um, your um, garbage, pet food if you're feeding them out um, on the patio, things like that. Barbecue grills, um, you know, even little bits of meat left on your barbecue grill will be you know, interesting to a bear for sure. So all of those things we want, you know, secured and locked away in a hard-sided building. Um, so, yeah, we, you do see certain um, behavior changes in bears uh, once they become food conditioned and used to being around people uh, and getting food from being around people. And they've got a heck of a nose, folks. So uh, always remember, if you can smell it, that bear has already smelt it long ago. Absolutely. All right. When we return, we're going to continue with the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. This is Public Pulse on 930K AROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. drop boxes and the idea here is the reason that they're doing it this way as opposed to just dropping 200 ballots in a drop box the reason that they're actually doing this is because they wish to avoid the the view of the authorities and so they are going to these these drop boxes and dropping four or five ballots off at a time and they're doing this hundreds thousands tens of thousands of times 
So here is Catherine Engelbrecht discussing what exactly geolocating was used to do here. These techniques are used every single day by law enforcement. Across the country, we buy 10 trillion signals. So what was the criterion that you set? Final decision was they had to have been to 10 or more drops. Public Pulse, uh, we had a computer lockup on us. They're in there trying to get that problem fixed for us right now. This morning, I am with Game and Fish Department Public Information Specialist Christina Schmidt. Now, uh, Johnson County has a weed pull event coming up. Uh, what do folks need to know? How can they take part in this? This is actually the fourth annual uh, Johnson County weed pull, and this is led by the Johnson County Weed and Pest District. Uh, Game and Fish and several other entities are partners um, in this because, of course, Invasive weeds, invasive grasses, plants um, impact a wide spectrum of, of things. So, And we're always talking about aquatic invasive species correct. because that's something very important to us. But at the same time, it, it's not just mussels. It's not just mussels. Yeah, these invasive uh, grasses, invasive weeds, they have a huge impact. So they are going to do kind of a similar thing as aquatic invasives. They're going to outcompete native uh, plants. So um, there are a couple that are particularly bad, Bentonata and Medusa head. They can actually um, outcompete and really take over and just decrease the quality and diversity of native plants out on the range, which of course is going to impact livestock and impacts wildlife and impacts a lot of things. Um, even just recreationists, if you go out, seeing a giant patch of invasive weeds is not a pleasant thing, yeah, and, right? and sometimes, you know, you know when you're out there, it, it kind of looks like it's not supposed to be out there, It looks right? like it's not supposed to be out there. Um, you know, one of the things I think, the hound's tongue, that's that's one. I mean, that's the one where you get the little uh, the little uh, sticky seeds all over you and your pets and stuff. You know, it's just a nuisance. And, and of course, those spread everywhere. So um, invasive plants, certainly an issue just like aquatic invasive species. So... Uh, they've done something pretty unique down there. They have an annual weed pull day. And Sports Wrap Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on sharedmedia.com and podcastwyoming.com. Doctors Joseph Ketchke, Ben Fowler, and David Fisher of Wild Visions Associates takes time out to salute our soldiers and veterans who have given their lives. We stand in awe of your dedication and are humbled by your sacrifices this Memorial Day and every day. This message from Wild Vision Associates, a quality business made up of people who care. Call 673-5177 or visit wildvision.com. Doctors Joseph Ketchke, Ben Fowler, and David Fisher of Wild Vision Associates in Sheridan and Dr. Jaron Olson of Wild Vision Associates of Gillette, remembering and thanking our veterans who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse brought to you by Eliason Financial. This morning I am with the Sheridan Police Department Chief, Travis Coltiska, Captain Tom Ringley, and newly promoted Sergeant Nevada Krinke. We've been discussing the promotion process with our Sheridan Police Department, how they differ from uh, the military or, or and the characteristics that we're looking for within an individual. One practice that the Sheridan Police Department does that I think is absolutely amazing, they don't hire officers. They hire future leaders. And that's really saying something, and uh, it makes the hiring process uh, a little harder to get uh, to get through, but worth every step. Now, before we took a break, I had a question regarding training. Um, once I'm promoted 
to the rank of corporal or sergeant. What additional training responsibilities come down to me? Uh, and, and I guess what training would you put me through? And then after I'm through it, what training am I responsible for, if any? So each level's got a little different um, level of training, and most of it's focused around leadership. By the time they get into that corporal position, they've got a lot of the base training for law enforcement skills, interview and interrogation, and a lot of the things that, you know, the um, CIT, even crisis intervention, those kind of things. But we, we move into that leadership um, side of things and leadership principles and fundamentals. Um, everybody says, well, are leaders born or leaders made? And it's really a kind of a, a combination of the two. Uh, your character is what allows you to follow those leadership principles, but, but there's still good information to learn about learning styles. I mean, you really need to know adult learning principles in order to mentor and lead a, um, individuals on the street and understand how people learn differently. The, the old days of my way or the highway is really not, doesn't work. Um, especially in our profession, we want independent thinkers. We want people that are questioning. Um, so they're going to question why a lot. And especially newer generation, I'm not slamming it, but it's a, they want to know why. And so having that ability to provide that. So at corporal, we're moving into a, a, a couple courses of preparing for leadership and also first line supervision that goes over those leadership styles and principles and how they can effectively apply those to their subordinates, to those that they're leading on the street. For sergeants, uh, we're really moving that into a, uh, a training that many of us um, in, the, in the upper level of the department have attended, which is leadership and police organizations. It's a three-week course that focuses on general leadership of an organization, driving mission and vision forward and how to, you know, getting a little higher level look of how what they do is that in a supervisory role, how that impacts the department and the community and how they can continue to influence in, um, officers and employees of the department to make decisions for in the best interest of, of the mission that we're pushing forward. So it's, it's just a different, it's an elevated um, amount and, uh, and of, of uh, leadership training and different, you know, just kind of building blocks, I guess, on top of each other. And then finally, when, you know, uh, once you've been a sergeant for a while, we, we try to get individuals to uh, Northwest School of Staff and Command, which is a 10-week training. Wow. Very intensive. Um, that one or the FBI National Academy, those are those are executive level trainings. But you're going to be looking at um, either been a sergeant for a while or you're in that lieutenant or captain role to get to those levels. So it's just building block on building block of leadership. I always likened uh, the promotion process within entities like this as like a target. And, and with, with our private or our new officer is the dot right in the center. And everything within that little red dot is their entire world. And then you move out just a little bit, and that sergeant takes care of everything within that little dot. And then out and out and out. And each step, you see a little bit broader picture, but it's always focused on the troop in the center. And I always kind of looked at it like that. And it sounds like uh, that's exactly what you guys do here. Uh, looking at that, uh, the community really as your target. The community is the little dot in the center. And we get to see a little bit more of it and how we do things as we move up and out. Now, Sergeant, with your new promotion, you'll be uh, basically observing or, or paying attention to the job, <clears throat> excuse me, of lieutenant from here on out as well. Uh, and so how long will it be until you're now eligible for lieutenant? Are we looking at uh, five, six years, ten years, a decade? 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to enjoy being a sergeant for a while. <laughs> uh, I've been through the promotional process kind of on and off for the last, like, three years, essentially. Um, but there is, we don't have a, uh, a time requirement. You know, there is not something of you have to hit X amount of years before you're eligible for this. You know, if you meet the, the standards that we have for our department and the, the, you know, like the chief was saying, the characteristics and you understand the bigger vision, there isn't that, like, cap on you can't promote, you know, because you don't have enough years in. Oh, wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah. The job descriptions have recommendation, recommended qualifications for each level. Uh, recommended, uh, like like they'll say, for a sergeant, two to three years of experience with a year's experience of leadership or um, education equivalent to. So there's a lot of equivalency, and, and we've said it many times, just like, a, um, and I said it during the promotional process, you know, we promote, we don't promote to a timeline, we promote to a standard and to a qualification, and, and that's what we really look for. What person coming in, if they... Um, you know, they have two years experience, but they are exhibiting all those characteristics that we desire. And they're taking that active leadership role, that informal leader that, you know, they're a good candidate. We're, we don't say you have to be here 10 years before right. you can promote up. There is no timeline. Uh, there's recommendations. There's things in the job descriptions that provide, I guess I'd call it what, guidance or a rough outline of that, those sort of things, education and experience. It really, um, especially for once one's finished as a corporal and promotes a sergeant and lieutenant, they only have to be out the 12-month probationary period, um, which even, I think I just finished mine for captain. They're upon every promotion level except for chief. There is a promotion. It gets a little bit higher or longer. No, 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 it's always 12 months. Oh, really? Oh, It's part of our civil service rules. Um, And we have had to remove people from their rank because they – weren't performing up to standard in probation. Nevada has been on probation for his entire time here, I think. <laughs> and that's because he's promoted so fast. He's done such an outstanding job. Um, I can think of about five people that have been here less than 18 months that I would not want to go through a promotion process. Yeah. It's really um, the, the quality of our officers is just it's, it's amazing. And Nevada was really one of the first in, in that wave. I mean, we've always had good officers, but this forward now forward-thinking, community-involved, crit- critical thinkers. It's, it's Problem-solving. Yeah. I mean, it's... And you need that on the street. Independent. And they don't have to just sit there and say... Uh, they don't have to turn around and say, hey, Corporal, hey, Sarge, what do I do? Right? They're thinking of creative ways, like the critical thinking skills and the problem-solving and goal orientation and mission, all that stuff. It's it's just coming really natural to those everybody in that building. And, I, you know, we talked a little bit about how, how every day is different within this job. And, and every single situation is different within this job, not just the day. Uh, there's really no such thing as a typical stop. They're, they're all the stop. Yeah, and, there, you know, there's a kind of a joke within law enforcement of, oh, I was on a routine traffic stop. And the word routine is, you know, kind of poked fun at because everything is completely different from one next, you know, one stop to the next or one day from, from the next day. So, yeah, everything is – you take it in as the circumstances and the situation that is there and, you know, move forward and try to figure out what the problem is and try to figure out how to solve it. So, But is that is that part of the draw of the job, Sergeant? Is that is that part of the – I mean, you know, the old saying, you're not looking for adventure, but um, – I, I, I think if people were honest, I think they would say they like the adventure. I think they like, you know, the – um, going out and chasing bad guys. I think if everyone was honest, that's every little kid wants to know, do that, right? Yeah. Um, but 
I guess getting away from the monotony is another thing I think draws people. If you know, I don't know what my day is going to include, and I think that has a draw for some people of of just being able to handle something different every single day and coming up with inventive and creative solutions for them. Uh, and that's I think that might be yeah, a, a good draw for some people. That's a fantastic job. It's a fantastic service. And uh, before I let you go, there is one service that you provided very recently uh, that I would like to talk about. I, I saw some numbers. I was extremely impressed. Uh, drug Take Back Day happened on Saturday, April 30th. Uh, I, I put up a couple stories about this because I, I really like this program. Uh, how did it go? It went very well. Um this Saturday, we received 61 pounds 61 of pounds. Uh, prescription uh, medication. Um, on the drug take-back days, anything we receive, we ship to the DEA. But people can access our drug disposal bin 24-7 at the police department. Um, that We take in easily 60 pounds a month. And then that is what Wow, really? Um, and That's amazing. Drug- I think we were 450 pounds yeah. last year. Some I remember right, something like that. Repurposed within the community, if they if they, certain seals aren't broken and they're eligible, or otherwise we um, incinerate them. So that the whole program is fantastic. But we would like to thank everyone that did go to Walgreens. We'd like to thank Walgreens, who are just fantastic partners. Um, and it was a huge success. We really we used to do it in September as well, but. Or Nate Digon, our evidence guy, always gets rained on. Yeah. <laughs> so we're only having him get rained on one, once a year now, and but the, the community just uh, keeps in mind that um, they, they can dispose of drugs anytime they feel like it at the police department in our lobby. And you just head down to the lobby. It's a little box right inside the door. It's anonymous. You don't have to talk to anybody. Complete amnesty. Yep. Walk inside, wave, put them in a box, and out you go. Nobody asks any questions, and you've disposed yeah. of it properly. Yeah. Um, our only limitations are no. Uh, there's certain types of drugs we want to accept. No, nothing with a needle, um, and some of the more radioactive type cancer drugs. I think. Yeah, yeah. Cause some of those are a little, uh, a little active. Yeah. But all right. Well, I want to thank you both, uh, or well, all three of you for coming in this morning, Sergeant. Again, congratulations on your promotion. Thank you. Well earned. Thank you. Be safe out there on the road, Chief, Captain. Same to you. Thank you. Thanks again, safe. Floyd. Thank you for your service. All right. When we come back, we're going to speak with the Johnson County Commission Chair, Bill Novotny. This is Public Pulse on 9:30 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share it in. Building wealth isn't easy. It takes hard work, commitment, and expertise. That's where Elison Financial comes in. Let our advisors help ensure your money works just as hard as you do. So retirement, college funds, and big family vacations stay on track, no matter what surprises come your way. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Elison Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Our advisory services are designed for entrepreneurs and small business owners so you can focus on your business. Our relationship is customized for what you want and need to ensure your business is as efficient as it should be. We will evaluate your business and provide solutions you will benefit from. We will coach you through each step of the process from start to finish. 
Contact us today. Parker Mellinger, focusing on where you're going, not where you've been. Do you enjoy dressing up in big hats and bow ties? Do you fancy buying food and drinks? Mark your calendars, buy your tickets, and pick out your favorite outfit for the downtown Kentucky Derby Party Saturday, May 7th in Grinnell Plaza. Food from Verdello and Chef Don King, live music by the Nate Champion Band, and classic mint juleps. Funds support the Downtown Sheridan Association, helping enhance, preserve, and promote our historic downtown district. Get your tickets now at downtownsheridan.org. The owners and staff at Kane's Funeral Home would like to thank the families of Sheridan and Johnson Counties for choosing Kane's and allowing them to serve you during these hard times. Kane Funeral Home makes it their mission to take the stress and uncertainty out of ceremonial services. They own and operate the only crematory in Sheridan County, so your loved one is always in their care. Kane's Funeral Home. Call 673-5837 or visit them online at canefuneral.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and Moss Holders wants to help you show the mom in your life just how special she is. Every item at Moss Holders is on sale now through Saturday. Moss Holders has a huge in-stock selection, so you can find the perfect furniture to complement her space. Find a new chair, sofa, dining room, or bedroom set. Mattresses and accessories are all on sale, too. This Mother's Day, show the mom in your life how much you appreciate all she does. Moss Holders Mother's Day Sale, going on now. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. Checks continue to be the subject of more fraud than any other form of payment. First Federal Bank and Trust will help you stay one step ahead with Positive Pay for Business. Our Positive Pay service detects fraudulent checks early and prevents them from being paid. We believe in avoiding the hassle of check fraud investigation so you can focus on the best parts of your business. Contact Kim Wells, First Federal's cash management officer, to get started with Positive Pay today. First Federal Bank and Trust, your partner in success. Member FDIC. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by Elias and Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting, and I am joined this morning over the phone by Johnson County Commission Chairman, Mr. Bill Novotny. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Floyd. It's good to talk with you. I know. It feels like it's been months and months. <laughs> It has. Sorry we missed you last month, but we had a scheduling issue. Oh, that's okay. Uh, you've got things to do, and it's it's no worry at all. Uh, speaking of things to do, you're actually headed to a meeting right now, aren't you? I am. The uh, County Commissioners Association Board of Directors has a meeting in Jackson, so I am on my way over there. And I know uh, Commissioner Siddle uh, from Sheridan County is headed there as well, so uh, we'll set our budget and our priorities for the commissioners association. So, uh, uh, have, uh, have road will travel. Uh, sir, what exactly, uh, is the mission of, of this association? Well, the commissioners association supports commissioners all across the state, um, through education and advocacy. Uh, you know, they, uh, provide that first round of training that brand new commissioners get into uh, so you've been elected. Now you actually have to lead uh, to they're our main voice during the legislative session and then um, certainly work with the, the governor and the federal delegation on issues that impact county. So um, it really is one of the most effective associations in the state. And I'm really uh, very proud of the fact that I've been uh, the treasurer. Now I'm the vice president of it. And so it's a great group. And you, you've always been very active uh, within that organization. Um, is that it, 
would you say that that was uh, one one major component of you being in Cheyenne for the entire legislative process, or or were you there primarily just as commissioner? Or they're both the same thing. Well, it really what well, is the same thing, and and it um, it does go to that need to protect the interests of the counties when when the legislature gets in session because sometimes they forget that when they pass stuff, then somebody actually has to either do what they say or or feel the impacts. And so it's important that counties have a voice during that session, and that really is one of the great purposes of the WCCA. Now, I I know uh, the Johnson County Commission had their 1% funding come up. Have those – has that been allocated, sir? It has, Floyd. And so uh, the committee met with all of the various nonprofits in our community that – wanted to apply for funding and, and made those allocations. And so uh, we did approve those yesterday. And I know the city council heard from the committee last evening, and I think they're all set on that. So everything from uh, how we fund having the Sheridan College campus uh, in Johnson County, which is so important for training CNAs and, and letting people who maybe are a non-traditional student uh, have access to a college campus and to continue their education, uh, that's funded through these 1% dollars, um, Compass Center for the Families, uh, the Family Crisis Center, two very, very important organizations in our community. Uh, they receive funding support through 1% dollars. Uh, even little things like the Buffalo Golf Club applied for some assistance. They're working on a project to improve their water efficiency out there as they try to keep the greens uh, beautiful all summer long. And um, so some upgrades to their irrigation infrastructure is going to save a lot of water in our community. And a lot of people are talking about water right now uh, as we potentially go into another dry season. So uh, seeing investments like that of, of a few pennies that are generated here and there going a long way to address critical needs in our community. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, that is a, a tax that I've always always thought was fantastic, and, and it's it's very well used. The, the vetting process is long, but uh, I would definitely say worth it. Now, when you sit down and you look at your organizations that have applied for those funds, how do you personally vet those applications? Uh, what are you looking for? Uh, as, as you know, Commission Chair Bill Novotny, what, what are you looking for out of those applications? Well, what's great about the way 1% has evolved over the years, when it was first uh, made available to the outside entities, the city and the county got together and said, let's stand up a citizen board that first interviews everybody and makes recommendations. And so they sort through everybody and then look at the amount of money that has been collected and is available and make recommendations. And so those recommendations then come to the commissioners. And I really look at things like what's going to have the biggest impact on our community. What are things that are going to have a lasting impact uh, rather than kind of a one-time Are these allocations that are going to maybe help a a group become more self-sustaining and able to uh, operate on their own without, assistance. So those are really kind of the things I look for, Floyd. Now, sir, have, as the county sat down and decided uh, on any American Rescue Plan Act funding, uh, have you, ex- first off, did Johnson County accept uh, an amount? And if so, what are you guys looking at purchasing with that those funds? 
Well, Floyd, uh, if you look at the uh, – you have both the CARES Act dollars and then the American Rescue Act dollars. And so uh, Johnson County was allocated uh, $1.6 million, and based off of the tri- uh, the criteria that Treasury put out, our money is going towards um, revenue replacement because that allows for the broadest use of the dollars. And so those – decisions are actually going to be made in this budget session. Um, we have not received all of the $1.6 million from Treasury yet. Then you get into those American recovery dollars, which went to the state and are going to flow through the slip board. And the slip board is in the process right now of writing the rules and regulations for the programs, which uh, those dollars then would be available for sewer and water projects, road projects. And so um, – what we'll do during this budget session is we'll look at if we have um, money to set aside for the match on that uh, American Recovery Act fund uh, and the infrastructure funds, and then if they're appropriate. And so that'll be all decided in our upcoming budget session. How long does your budget session usually end up taking? Uh, there's three county commissioners over there in Johnson County. Do you find yourself uh, up late at nights? You do. Uh, you know, I take – we have budget hearings with all of the uh, department heads, the other elected officials, and, and then just the general county budgets that the commissioners oversee. And so you work those through the day, and then I take it home as homework and, and study it and look at trends. And, you know, we're going to have to be forecasting things like what do we think the price of fuel is going to do over the course of the summer to make sure that um, the road and bridge department has enough budgeted for gas and tires. Um, things that really uh, were pretty stable in the past are going to be pretty volatile this year. So making sure that we adjust those budgets accordingly. I mean, even paper, which, Floyd, I never thought I would be concerned about the price of paper, but even that has gone up astronomical. And uh, when you're in the clerk's office, they use a lot of specialty papers to print titles and marriage certificates and things like that. And so uh, when you're seeing those supply costs double from last year, um, it does keep you up at night because you can only stretch the county budget so far, uh, but we still have to provide those essential services. Absolutely, and I think everyone from uh, the top on down is is having to tighten a belt and at the same time wonder how far we're going to get a dollar stretched across our, our, our own budgets. Uh, speaking of uh, supply needs and, and a cost increase, how is the nursing facility doing? Uh, are, are, is everything still on schedule there? Is everything still on budget that you know of? You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Floyd. So on um, Monday, we had the members of the Joint Transportation Military Affairs Committee in Buffalo for a tour of the facility and an update. And I was uh, fortunate to be invited uh to be there with them and answer questions that they had. And um, the goal is still uh, August completion of the facility. Uh, and then, of course, there'll be some inspections that have to take place before they can have occupancy. Um, the contractor is is working very hard to meet that. You know, they have they need to get some shingles on one of the cottages um, certainly we need some warm days and not windy days to get that done. Um, they are like everybody else experiencing some delays in the supply chain. But at this point, really the only thing that, uh, 
the director of, of the nursing home told me that was probably not going to be there and ready for them to open is the patio furniture for the residents to sit on on the porches that they have. So that that is reassuring that, you know, we're going to be able to have the medical equipment that they need, you know, the appliances, the fixtures, um, that all looks like it's going to be delivered on time. And uh, certainly the contractor is working uh, as fast as they can to get that done uh, with a quality product that is going to last for a really long time. And what I can tell you, it is beautiful. Um, the layout is fantastic. And so uh, a veteran uh, or Gold Star family member who ends up uh, needing that level of care, um, they're going to be very well taken care of. I'm very excited to uh, see this facility. We've been waiting on this for a little while, and uh, I know that the the Johnson County Commission fought so hard to ensure that it would be built within the community. Uh, I, the next issue I would ask about that, sir, is did they discuss any any staffing issues? I mean, everyone's going through some some pretty difficult staffing issues right now, and I can only imagine that they faced uh, a, a mountain of challenges trying to get a hold of those medical professionals. Well, like every healthcare facility across the country, you know there's a shortage of nurses, CNAs, and, and medical support staff. Um, they were able recently to fill the vacancies that they had. Uh, they had just hired two nurses up at the veterans' home and the CNA. So uh, in terms of uh, being able to keep on track with staffing, it looks like that. Obviously, you're going to have new positions that are going to open up once they're ready to open that facility. Um, but at this point, uh, one of the things that uh, the director up there has, has shared is the fact that um, with the state's uh, payroll uh, schedule and, and the way they pay folks, uh, the CNAs up at the Veterans Home were actually the had become the lowest paid CNAs in, in Buffalo and Johnson County because they didn't have the flexibility like the uh, private institutions to raise those rates to stay competitive. So, um, you know, we've got to visit with the legislature about how we make sure that the director up there has the discretion uh, and flexibility within his budget to make sure that those positions are, are competitive so that uh, he can compete for the available workforce. But, uh, you know, it, it's certainly something that is, is on everybody's mind is how do we get uh, more heroes into healthcare? Because that's really what they are for. They're or heroes, those folks who uh, take care of people when they're vulnerable. And I imagine one day I'll probably end up within that facility. So I hope it's staffed very, very well. Now, uh <laughs> As we as we look at some of the issues that uh, Johnson County has faced over the last year, like the Smith Shoreline had an issue last year. What is new about the Shoreline, and uh, what do we need to know? Well, we've updated our our Shoreline regulations uh, that were originally adopted in uh, 2015, after a few years of them being in place and, and working with landowners that have built. Uh, homes out around the lake, um, we found some areas in the regulations that we needed to update. And so those have been updated. Uh, we have the tunnel open to the lake. So we are filling the lake right now out of Piney Creek. Uh, certainly the last bit of moisture has really helped our operating department because uh, we got to a point where there weren't enough uh, 
acre feet of water in, in Piney Creek for us to begin to fill. And so uh, we'd like to be able to catch a lot of this early spring runoff if we can uh, to make sure that we've got all the water in Lake Smith that we need over the summer for uh, the downstream irrigators, for the folks who like to recreate out there. And then also we do sell some industrial water um, and that's primarily used in road projects. So they can, um, when they gravel roads, do dust abatement or do highway construction, they need water. And so uh, we do sell water uh, for road construction. And so we've got to get that filled now so that this uh, summer in the event that there's a call, which we already know there's a call on the Tongue River uh, for water that uh, with the rights we have that we're able to make sure that we've got all the water we need. Now, another situation, sir, I've only got about three minutes left. Uh, This is the second month of the new tax collection system for mineral companies. How is that situation going? The ad valorem by the monthly payment is going great. Uh, Johnson County got its first payment of the new system in uh, March, and we just got our second one in April. This second payment was $1.6 million, uh, and uh, 600000 of that, excuse me, was a payment from Carbon Creek. They uh, actually paid their monthly ad valorem, and they paid it on time. So uh, we are really pleased. The Department of Revenue is pleased with the new system. Uh, it was a great change to the state law, and it's going to have a big impact uh, on counties across the state. And, again, we got to remember that 70% of that ad valorem money that's collected belongs to the school. And so uh, we'll be able to make sure they have the resources they need. Now, what do we do with the rest of that, the, the other 30%? Where do we like to put that? Well, Floyd, that belongs to uh, either the city of Buffalo, to Johnson County, or to the special districts. So that's what goes to support the fire district. That's what, uh, through the three mills at the hospital levies, goes to make sure that uh, the Johnson County Healthcare Center is able to keep their doors open and, and pay their folks. So um, that's where the rest of that ad valorem payment goes, or to the the special districts. Uh, the city of Buffalo and uh, the county. Of course, for the city of Buffalo, it's really not a big uh, amount because you don't have really a lot of energy production that happens inside uh, their territorial boundaries. But if there was something related to that, then they would get it, but primarily it would go to the county. All right. Well, Commissioner, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, I I miss talking to you. (laughs) I can't wait till I speak with you again. Good luck, and, and please be careful on your travels. Okay, thanks, Floyd. It's good to talk to you, and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM. Share takes hard work, commitment, and expertise. That's where Elias and Financial comes in. Let our advisors help ensure your money works just as hard as you do. So retirement, college funds, and big family vacations stay on track no matter what surprises come your way. 
To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and Moss Holders wants to help you show the mom in your life just how special she is. Every item at Moss Holders is on sale now through Saturday. Moss Holders has a huge in-stock selection, so you can find the perfect furniture to complement her space. Find a new chair, sofa, dining room, or bedroom set. Mattresses and accessories are all on sale, too. This Mother's Day, show the mom in your life how much you appreciate all she does. Moss Holders Mother's Day sale, going on now. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. When you see someone sipping on a crisp, refreshing drink from McDonald's, you may suddenly crave one, too. (laughs) And that's normal. It's more than a drink. It's a McDonald's drink. Right now at McDonald's, try one of our icy cold slushies. Enjoy deliciously refreshing flavors like the new tropical mango or strawberry watermelon. And pair it with our world-famous fries. Price and participation may vary. This September, Keno is going to be Wyoming's hottest draw game. That's right. Wild Auto is bringing Keno to town, and they're onboarding new retailers all summer long. What's so great about Keno? People love to play. It's fun, low-cost entertainment for everyone 18 and older. Selling Keno is a proven way to lift your business, attract new customers, rake in bigger tabs, and tap into new revenue year over year. Join Wild Auto for a free info session Tuesday, May 17th at 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. in Sheridan at the Fulmer Public Library on West Alger. That's Tuesday, May 17th. No reservations required. They'll answer your questions and talk about how Kino can boost your bottom line. Learn more and start your Kino retailer application at wildlotto.com slash Kino retailers. That's wildlotto.com slash Kino Retailers. Whether you're planting a tree or digging a foundation, contact One Call of Wyoming at 1-800-849-2476 or 811. Call two business days before you dig. It's free and required by law. Repairs to utilities can be expensive. Cutting a gas line or electrical line can be deadly. No matter if it's weekend yard work or major construction, call One Call of Wyoming at 1-800-849-2476 or 811. Sponsored by Public Service Commission, Wyoming Association of Broadcasters and the station broadcasting from the jill bates and best team studio brokered by exp K-R-O-S-S-O-N. 